So you might say, well, why the Wolof and why Senegal? We're missionaries to the Wolof because they're an unreached people group. There's only about 150 to 200 Christians in about 5 million people, so uh, very, very unreached. And studies have shown that if a church in an ethnic group or a language group is about 2% of the population, that church is viable, it can continue the work of evangelism within that people group and finish the job, basically. But if it's uh, less than 2%, um, that small church or those those few believers, they need help to get up to the point where they're 2% and they can continue the work. And so and among the Wolof, you're talking about 0.004% Christians. So we have a lot of work uh, left in front of us. Uh, the Wolof are also the largest people group in Senegal, so a kind of a gateway uh, people uh, in, in terms of reaching all of Senegal. So what we really want is for all of Senegal to be reached, all of West Africa to be reached, all of the world to be reached with the gospel, and for every people group to have a viable uh, church that speaks that language, that culturally fits there. And so our part of that global work is this little bit that God has given us of the Wolof, this little corner of the, the job that God has given us of the Wolof. So uh, we want to share with you more about what's been going on immediately in, the, in this past term, but before that we want to show you this film which will give you some visual context for what we've been doing. And then Katie will come up. come home for us over the past 13 years, but it is a tough place to live in some ways. It's really hot and sand blown most of the year, the highs between 90 and 115 all year round, and we go seven or eight months with no rain. Folks struggle to feed their families, uh, and yet our region is known in Senegal even more than other regions for men taking multiple wives, which of course makes it harder to make ends meet. There's just one little evangelical church in the whole region. So we have 500,000 people in the region, and we usually have fewer than 10 adults on a Sunday. We had pretty much decided to do two more years here in Kafreen and then move on, but the Lord surprised us. Yeah, he called us to stay. It was really clear to our whole family. We all wanted to stay. And God also opened doors for new kinds of ministry during these last three years. The biggest thing has been the Wolofal project Corey's been working on. So he learned how to read and write the Wolof language using Arabic script because that's how a lot of people in this area learn how to read because they grow up going to Quranic school. Then he got trained in typesetting, so he's been transcribing the books of the Bible into Wolofal and publishing them. And he's also been able to create two Wolof Bible apps, one to use online and the other for people to use on their smartphones. 
And that's been super exciting to see the scriptures available to many people for the first time in these different formats. We also got to do a water project that brought running water to four villages where they had been drawing water by hand with a rope and a bucket. Now they can just turn the tap and there it is. It's an honor to be in a position to pass on God's love here, to demonstrate his compassion, like the times when there have been flooding or fires that have burned down whole villages, and we've been able to be a channel to bring aid in the name of Jesus. We have so much freedom in this country. There's religious freedom here, and the Wolof people, while they are 99.9% .9 Muslim, they're generally really open to hearing what we have to say and to being friends with us. I mean, every year we have a kids' camp where we invite kids from Muslim animistic families, even from villages that are 100% Muslim, and they come. This Christmas, I think we invited 75 kids, and 85 kids came to the church to hear what Christmas is about. The local church, the Senegalese Christians here, are a huge encouragement to us. Even though there are so few of us and we speak four different languages, we work together and really help each other. I'm in the preaching rotation and Katie is the Sunday school teacher. And we minister together with the local Christians. We do the camp together, we run the scholarship project together. And now we're looking forward to having two new couples come to join us here long term. And that's another huge answer to prayer. Uh, this term I've become the personnel coordinator for our SIM Senegal team. Part of that is communicating with the SIM offices around the world to place new workers here in Senegal. Um, we love SIM and our teammates who come from all over the world, South Africa, the UK, Rwanda. Um, but the rest of the SIM team this term have all been stationed in other parts of Senegal. So we're really excited about these new teammates coming to Kafreen here where we are. On our website, we have pinned 2 Corinthians 1.11, where Paul says, Please help us by praying for us. Then many people will give thanks for the blessings that we receive in answer to all these prayers. Many people have prayed and continue to pray for us, and given financially and continue to give, so that we can live in Kafreen. You've sent us out, supported us, and prayed for us, and so we've had the joy of holding the first Wolofal Genesis in our hands of watching one of the scholarship students become the first one in his family to ever go to college, of being there when kids at the camp hear the gospel for the first time, of seeing running water flow for the first time and the women dancing to celebrate, and of praying with kids in Sunday school to accept Christ. We've received many blessings in answer to all of these prayers, and so we give thanks. Thanksgiving this morning. We're thankful to be here with you. We're thankful to you all for your prayers, for your support. Um, we're so thankful to the Lord. You saw in the video there sort of a list of the ways that God has answered prayers during this past three years. We're so encouraged. We're excited. We're thankful. Um, I just want to tell you one brief story of an amazing thing that God has done um, answering prayers for us during this past term. Um, so I said in the video, we had basically decided to leave Kafreen and to move into one of the larger cities uh, last summer. 
Um, and God changed our hearts, changed our minds, and we were open to staying. And yet, you know, this was the first term these past three years that we've been there without any teammates. So we're basically the only English speakers, we're the only missionaries in our region of half a million people. And so um, as we were talking about this with our larger team, uh, we were saying we would love to stay. There's tons of ministry that we're excited about, um, but we really need some support and help um, in terms of other teammates. And so we committed as um, SIM Senegal to ask the Lord if he wanted us to stay and if he wanted to keep this station open um, to send us two new couples. So as the personnel coordinator, um, it falls to me to write sort of job descriptions. It's really more like uh, a description of what it would be like to have this assignment. So, you know, I'm writing out the requirements um, in case somebody in some other, you know, SIM office in America or whatever is going to look and see, okay, what would this look like? So, okay, you have to raise all your own support. Senegal is an expensive place to live. Okay, it's really hot. Okay, there's no school here for your kids to go to in English. Um, okay, uh, we would really like to have a nurse, so you've got to have medical training. This is one of the job descriptions. It would really be great if you already spoke French when you came because for medical things, prescriptions and stuff, you really have to have some French. And then we want you to commit to learning Wolof, which is the language in which you'd actually be doing medical consultations and ministering in our context, you know. So I'm writing this list and I'm just saying, this is crazy, you know, this is impossible. Who's going to fit all these requirements and who's going to be willing to do this and want to come and live in this context, you know. But we committed to praying for it and um, within six months, you guys, of starting to pray about this, the Lord has brought these two couples who are committed to coming to Kaffrine long term, fit all these requirements, and they're excited, and they've started learning Wolof, and the one couple already speaks French, and the one couple are nurses, the other guy's an agriculturalist, so it's we're just standing in awe to see how God has answered prayers and has confirmed to us that he wants us to go back and continue working in this place, and we're excited to see what he's going to do. Thanks, Kate. Uh, there's an 8 to 10 year old uh, folks where you guys were asked to stay to for the video. If you guys that are 8 to 10 year olds are really in love with the sound of my voice, you're welcome to stay. Uh, if you would like to go uh, to, your, uh, to your Sunday school, it's not Sunday school, junior church, thank you, junior church, you can, you can go now. Um, we have been in uh, Senegal since 2000, so about uh, 16 years now, 13 years in the little town that we're in, Kaffrine there. And this has been a very different term. And I mentioned to you, we came to, uh, um, we came to Wyndham for the first time in 2005 to Wyndham Baptist Church, and that was a time that we were really discouraged, and uh, we were very encouraged. Um, you may be surprised to hear that we have a lot of discouragement on the mission field. We don't go from mountaintop to mountaintop. It's not always, hey, tons of people are coming to know the Lord. It's more often from valley to valley. Um, and really, uh, this past term has been the exception. We've been very encouraged. We've been, um, we felt really cared for by the Lord this past term. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 is the last couple of verses in the book of Matthew. Uh, it's the last words of Jesus as Matthew records them. 
they're kind of the mission statement that Matthew, as he was writing his book on Jesus, the last words that he wanted to kind of leave us with, the mission statement that he wanted people to go out with, uh, having heard the stories of Jesus. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 reads, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Some translations put it, I am with you always to the end of time. Last term, so this is the term that ended 2012. After the end of that term, we were tired, uh, we were discouraged, and we <clears throat> were confused. We had tried some new things. We had kind of gone all in and had expected to see some different results uh, in our ministry, and basically we did not. And so it was a, a very down time for us. <clears throat> and so as we were thinking of going back to Senegal, we... We knew that the Lord wasn't done with us. He didn't want us to leave Senegal. Uh, he had more for us to do, but we knew that we needed to make a change. And we didn't know what the next phase was, but God brought about this Arabic script Wolof ministry. We knew that was the next thing that we should, we should focus on. So Arabic script Wolof, um, it's kind of hard to understand when you just see it on the board, but you know how with Roman script, in other words, ABCs, you can write English, or you can write Spanish or French or Italian. Those letters have, are sounds, and so you can write many different languages using those letters. Arabic script is the same. Each letter has a sound, and so you can write many different languages using those letters. Uh, even you know, what we see around uh, you know, in media or um, in different parts of the world, you can write Arabic script, uh, Arabic. You can write Arabic script, Urdu. You can write Arabic script, um, Farsi, you can write many different languages and many, many different cultures use Arabic script to write their own, their own language. Wolof is one of them. Uh, most people in Senegal, 95% of people in Senegal are Muslim and many, many people, the vast majority, go to Quranic school as kids and they learn the Arabic script letters and what sound they represent and so they can use Arabic script to write out their own language, which is Wolof. A colleague of ours a few years ago did a survey in our area, and he found that among the adult men, only 30% could read uh, Wolof, their own language, using Roman script, in other words, the ABCs, but about 70% could read their own language using Arabic script. So this is a really key strategic project to be a part of to bring the word to Wolof people. Now, we've always based our ministry in Senegal around getting people uh, to understand the Word of God and telling them the stories of Jesus, starting from the Old Testament going all the way up to Jesus and his life and death and resurrection and, and telling them what that means for us today. But we've never seen Wolof people as interested in hearing about Jesus or hearing about the stories of the Scriptures uh, as when as an Arabic script. Now, around here, if you see um, a, a B in red, with a white outline on a blue background, Boston Red Sox, you get excited. You say, hey, that's us. That's our team. We're a part of that. We're invested in that. We know what's going on. And if they win, we've won. Uh, when you see the N over the Y on the black background, you say, no, that is not us. That's the enemy. We don't like those people. 
when you put something into Arabic script, that same emotional reaction happens with Muslim Wolof people. When they see a book in Arabic script, they say, that's us. We want to be a part of it. This is holy. This is to be respected. And we want to know what's in this book. When they just see the book, it's Arabic script, automatically they respect it. And we have seen people get involved with actually wanting to find out what's in the scriptures like never before. Uh, I remember when I had the, when the first book to come off the press, Genesis, um, uh, when we got it in our hands, when I brought it to Catherine and I was taking some copies around to people who had helped me with different proofreading things, different spelling conventions and stuff in the market in Catherine. And so I had a couple of them in my hand and I was walking around uh, and giving them to a couple of folks, about four or five folks who had helped us. And uh, one guy uh, just saw the book in my hand and said, hey, what's that? I said, well, this is the, the Torah of Moses. This is the very first book. This is called uh, Genesis, and it tells the story of Adam and Eve, Noah, Abraham, and, and stuff like that. So I went into some more detail. And um, so I said, I'm just taking some around, and uh, we're, I'm going to drop some off at my friend's uh, book bookstore. And so if you, if you want some, you can, you can buy some for them. He said, so you're selling these books? I said, yes, we're selling the books. He said, how much? I said, $3. And he said, so if I gave you $3 right now, you'd give me that book? And I said, yes. So he actually went into his pocket, got out the equivalent of $3, and gave it to me and bought a book. Now, this is a guy who I had not talked with at all before. I really didn't even know his name. And he, just from seeing the Arabic script, bought a copy of the scriptures. Now, this is something that is never happened before. We have had Roman script Genesis for years and years and years. We have had Roman script uh, New Testament for decades. But nobody's ever come to my house, knocked on the door, and said, I need a copy of that book, please. Here's $3, like we are seeing with these books. I have the Quranic, both the Quranic sellers in this town that we live in, Kafreen, have a stock of these books and they're selling them for us. Um, another uh, brief uh, story. The big uh, holy city in Senegal is called Tube. It's like the Mecca of Senegal. People make pilgrimages to this town, to this town and everything. And um, a, a Quranic teacher from Tuba got a hold of a copy of Genesis. A friend of mine had a copy in his hut, and he just his friend was visiting. He saw it, and he said, hey, what's that? He said, it's this book of Genesis. It's, you know, you've heard of the Torah. This is the first book, uh, et cetera. Kind of explained to him what it was. He picked it up, started reading it. He said, I need to borrow this. So he borrowed it for a few days, and he comes back to his friend, and he says, I need a copy. I need my own copy of this book. Get me, I need to get my, how can I get the copy of this book? So my friend said, no problem, I'll, I'll take care of it. So he comes to town, knocks on my door, says, I need a copy of that book. Give me the $3. I give him the book. He takes it back. A few days later, the Quranic teacher and I connect on the phone. And I don't know exactly what he's going to say. I, I kind of am aware this, this call is coming, and uh, so I'm prepared for it. And so he says, uh, so you're the guy who's responsible for putting these books um, out there and, and putting these books in, in Wolof Arabic script. I said, well, yeah, I mean, I'm certainly a part of it, and others have had their part to play in it. Uh, I'm certainly among, among those. I'm trying to spread the blame out a little bit. And um, he said, well, I just wanted to say thank you for putting these stories, this book, into Wolof Arabic script. These stories are so important. Everybody needs to read this book. I said, I agree. It, 
You're totally right. Everybody does need to read these stories. We have never seen this before in Senegal. Um, David Garrison, a Baptist missiologist, uh, said, um, Muslims are like Baptists. You can tell a Baptist, but you can't tell them much. <laughs> Muslims need to find out for themselves. I mean, this is something that we're kind of discovering for ourselves. We've been telling them for a long time, but they've not been listening. But when they can have a direct interaction with the scriptures, they are understanding and believing. Now, we're not talking about people coming to the Lord yet. We don't have any of the New Testament in Wolof Arabic script. We're going to go back and do that uh, starting uh, in October here. Um, but people are interested in the scriptures in a way they never have been before. Uh, we're not talking about a people group movement. We're not talking about a lot of people coming to Jesus. But we're talking about people being interested in engaging with God's word. And that is something that is so encouraging to us. Um, so, as if I, I wish I had the time to tell you the whole story of how God has brought Arabic script Wolof to missionaries' attention and uh, enabled them over the years to develop tools that make it easier and easier to get uh, Wolof language into Arabic script. Basically, it was technically impossible to do what we're doing right now before 2012, but people have been working towards it since the 70s. In that long history, we can see God caring for the Wolof and preparing something that is now coming to fruition. We also could see uh, in our lives how God was working to care for us. And so as we've seen how God is caring for the Wolof and caring for us, we've experienced the truth of this great commission. I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, that part of it, maybe we could call even the great encouragement. I am with you always to the end of time. We have seen how God is with the Wolof and how God is with us and how he has always been there every step of the way. Sometimes we don't see it very clearly. But we have been really experiencing and living in. That's been the story of this term. I am with you always to the end of time. Now, those verses we read um, a few minutes ago, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, um, a lot of people think that those verses are in the Bibles that they issue to missionaries when they get on the plane. Uh, but that is not the case. I, I give you a little challenge. If you open your Bible, even the ones that are on your phones or, or tablets or whatever, if you look online when you get home, I bet every Bible that you open, you will find Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Uh, it is not just for missionaries. It's for all of us. When he says go, when he says make disciples, when he says baptize, when he says teach, he's not just talking to people who are far away about people who are even farther away. He's talking to you about people who are very close to you. There are people all over who are living and dying without hearing about Jesus. If you're talking about a place where there are no churches, God's provision for those people is the missionary, the person who crosses barriers, who crosses borders to take the message to people who have no opportunity to hear it. If you're talking about people in Wyndham and Portland, if you're talking about people in this area, God's provision for people who are living and dying without hearing about Jesus is you. He says to us here, 
Go, make disciples, teach, baptize. He's caring for people, showing his love for them by giving them you. You show God's love in a lot of ways. But one of the ways is to make disciples, to teach people all that he commanded, all that he taught. Now, that is not an easy task. I'm talking about things like this. Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children, and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. These are hard teachings. Here's another one. I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We're called to teach what he taught. But that, these kinds of teachings, these things that Jesus taught us, are not what people want to hear. People want to hear, you're the boss. Nothing that you want to do could possibly be wrong. They want to hear, follow your heart. Not the truth about the heart. The truth about the heart is, among other places, in Jeremiah 17. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. People want freedom. They want to be free. That's why they make the choices they, they do, because they want freedom. But a lot of the choices that people make in our culture lead to bondage. People need to understand that the path to freedom is through submission to Christ. That is the way that they will be truly fulfilled, self-actualized, uh, have the freedom that they want. God's given you to them to share that message with them. But it's not an easy message. That's why we're called not just to preach, but to teach. Now, teaching, if, if, if you have teachers among you, they'll tell you that when you teach, you just don't uh, get up there and explain it to somebody in the way that makes the most sense to you. You really get to know the student, where they're coming from, what their learning styles are, what their background is, to be able to really express things in a way they can understand. And it's not just a one-time thing. A lot of us, uh, when, we, when we go to share the gospel, we share it one time, and when we're rejected, then we stop. But teaching is a cycle. You teach, you evaluate, you change, you go back. You teach again, you evaluate, you go back, you try again. Now, it's through that cycle in Senegal that we've arrived. God has led us to, in his, in his providence, he's led us to this Arabic script, Wolof thing, which is having an impact. That's what he's called you to do, is to get to know your target, their background, their needs, their learning styles. How do they take in information so as to be able to express it in the way that makes the most sense to them? So it could be that to reach the people that are around us, to go, as he commanded us, we may need to make some changes. Uh, he called us to go. 
to go where people are, not just wait for them to come through those doors. Uh, if you build it, they will come, applies if it's Field of Dreams, but it doesn't apply to the church. He, just, he doesn't say to just build them and they will come, not to be just an attractional church, but to be a missional church, a church that goes out. Now, it could be that God is calling you to, as you fulfill the call to go, make disciples, to baptize, to teach. It could be that God's called you to go overseas. It could be God is calling you to come to Senegal, to learn Wolof, uh, to work with us in Kafrine. If you feel God might be calling you to that, um, see me after the service. We have a binding contract that we would like for you to sign. God does call people to leave their spot, their place, and go places where there are no churches. But for most people, God has called them to stay and to go, not around the world, but across the street. Now, as we do that, as we go out, as we leave our pews, as we leave safety and security of just being with each other, we go out towards people. As we learn how to teach them, we may need to make some other changes. Maybe God hasn't called you to learn a new language, but maybe he's calling you to learn just a few words of a new language. To maybe not go across the world and get to know people who are completely different from you, but to change who your friends are, to get to know some people who aren't just like you, who maybe look a little bit different, who speak a little bit differently who maybe even smell a bit different. Maybe God has called you to change your whole life, to, to quit your job, to change jobs, go work in the inner city, move halfway across the world. But in some ways, it's a little bit harder to do the small things that enable us to minister to people, to just prioritize people over events. We all know how crazy our schedules can get in America with uh, especially those of us with kids, with practices and school and just event after event. It could be that we just need to make some changes to our, our schedule to prioritize people over events. could be that we have to start asking some hard questions. We all know those times that we let an opportunity slide by to say something about Jesus. As we are hospitable towards people, as we start asking hard questions, we might have to respond to their hard questions. And we don't always have the questions, the right answers to the right questions the first time around. So we go back to the cycle. We figure out how to, how to teach people, how to, how to really express the gospel in ways that make sense to who we are speaking to. Now, I have another suggestion, and this one is a little bit crazy, so brace yourself. Um, you might have to offer to study the Bible with somebody. Now, before you say, that is insane. What are you even talking about? I actually have read and heard recently several testimonies of people who were just running away from God. Their, their lives were in uh, shambles. They were going completely in the opposite direction from God. But somebody offered to study the Bible with them, and they accepted and that changed their life. It, I know it sounds crazy, but there is power in the word. I know it sounds like this is just sheer tomfoolery in today, today's America, 2016, to say, 
you know what? Let's, you know what? Let's study the Bible together. But it works. I got Quranic sellers selling the Bible in my hometown. I got Quranic teachers calling me to thank me for putting the scripture in their own language. There is power in the scriptures. So the question for you in your context, with the people who are surrounding you is, how can you go? Whether it's across the street or around the world, whether it's into the maybe the next town to work with the refugee resettlement ministry, to get to know people who are coming from situations that in this country we can't even imagine, of war, of terrorism, of helping them uh, figure out this new land. Could be just down the street, across the road. question is, how can you go? And also, how can you teach? Wherever God has called you to intervene, the, the people that he's called you to, how can you go back to them again and again, figuring out who they are, where they're coming from, what kind of learning styles they have, and how to express the gospel. Not just go one time, preach, and call it quits, but to teach. To go through the cycle of getting it wrong and then getting it right. Now, as we remain faithful to this call to go and to, and to teach, we will need more than ever the great encouragement. I am with you always to the end of time. Because going does not make your life easier. When Jesus says, I am with you always to the end of time, he's, he didn't mean I am with you always on the couch watching Netflix until the end of time. He meant this kind of being with. Isaiah 43. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. This is the kind of being with that he is offering you. This is the kind of being with that we have experienced over this past term and really over our whole career. Not of being with us in comfort and security, but in being with us in water and in flame. Now, you may be asking yourself, why is this guy coming in and telling me to do all this stuff, sticking my neck out, doing things that I am, frankly, totally uncomfortable doing? Now, am I asking you to do these things, to make these changes, to go and to teach? Because I want you to be good enough. I want you to be finally good enough for God to really love you. No. You're already as loved as the sun is where you sit today. Is it because I want you to be some kind of a super Christian? No. You're already as accepted as the Son is. If you've accepted the Son, if you've accepted Jesus, you are already as accepted as the Son. You're not just saved. You are liked. You are loved. Do I want to get more out of you? Do I want to guilt you into doing something that you really don't want to do? No. I'm telling you this because I want you to experience what we have experienced. I want you to experience more of Jesus being with you as you put into practice his words. I want you to 
experience I am with you always to the end of time. I want you to see and experience that he is so loving that he is worthy of our worship and he's worthy to be proclaimed. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you for